Welcome to the Total Car Score Podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. Welcome to another episode of the Total Car Score podcast with Carl Brower and Lauren Fix. And just like that, we're already done with August. That's incredible. In the middle of uh, COVID, six months of COVID, eight months of 2020. Are we over with this yet, Carl? <laughs> uh, no, it just feels like it should be over. That's for sure. It's terrible. But I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting some changes, you know, whether it's... Uh, changes in political uh, energy flowing around the planet or changes in uh, a vaccine existence. Those are the two big things I'm waiting for. Have you been doing, Lauren? I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it. I, I, I I'm like an anti-masker. You know, as a person, as a car person, I always say I don't like breathing my own exhaust. <laughs> like you wouldn't put your mouth around your tailpipe. So why the heck am I wearing a mask and breathing my own carbon dioxide? I don't know. I'm, I'm so done with this. You know, I've been through it all. And uh, I think everybody has. I think we're all just sick of staying home or limiting our exposure. And when you see friends you haven't seen, you know, you want to give them a big hug. You, you, you have to ask now, oh, can I can I give you a hug? Can I shake your I hand? Know. Is it elbows? Is it just like waving air hugs? You know, and I like it when you go out, you go out somewhere and it's like, oh, crap, I don't have a mask with me. You know, you're about to go into a retail thing and then you forget that you don't have your mask with you. It's like, you know. Yeah. And they'll, they'll deny you access. At least I'm in New York. You're in California. I think we're under the same restrictions. Yeah, Florida is, uh, we, we don't have a mandate. I mean, cities by cities, some of them have them, but still really weird. What is really weird is when you see someone in their own car by themselves and they're wearing the mask. I mean, really, what are you protecting against? Are you going to infect your car or for what? They, they, they just like the taste of carbon, uh, carbon dioxide, apparently, so. Well, the plants miss it. Think about that. You know, we breathe in oxygen. We expel carbon dioxide. The plants take the carbon dioxide and they give us oxygen. But so I'm wondering, you know, this is not very green, is it? Right. This is very earth unfriendly for us to all be wearing masks like that. I hope people exactly. realize it. Well, I mean, interesting. So we'll see what happened in the last uh, few months of 2020. But uh, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm also done with it. Hopefully we'll start like traveling a little bit more in the next few months, but uh, still it's going to be, we're never going to be the same at least for the next couple of years. So that's true. Did we, did I miss something this week? Like some, some big presentation happened like <laughs> that I didn't see. There was a Jaguar. There was a Jaguar F pace and no, I'm sorry. <clears throat> F pace and XF. Oh, wow. Right. But there was also stuff that they were not allowed to talk about yet. Uh, right. Which is the, um, Jeep, uh, information that's coming up on the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. I don't, are we allowed to talk about that now? Yeah, keep fighting the Bronco before it comes out, right? Well, I think I think the Bronco has got a great product, and once they, you know, once Jeep says we're putting a V8 in it, don't don't be surprised if you start seeing one going into the Bronco. And I just heard yesterday, and I'm trying to get confirmation that they're going to put the GT500, the flat plane crank motor, into an F-150 Raptor. If so, I'm buying one. That'd be neat. Wow. Can you imagine 750 horsepower in an F-150? I'm in. 
Yeah, if that, that's 750, the 750 horsepower that that particular engine makes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it would sound good. It would look good. That'd be really cool. Oh, yeah. I also saw some, uh, I also saw some, a report about uh, a, a, like a version of the Raptor in the Bronco. I don't know if they're going to call it the, the Bronco Raptor or the Raptor Bronco, whatever. But uh, did you guys still say any of that? Yeah, that's been rumored, uh, and I think it's obviously the response to knowing there's going to be a V8 Wrangler coming, so, yep. What I didn't miss was National Dog Day, even though I don't have a dog of my own. I've been running with... Uh, <laughs> you have everybody else's dogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All my neighbors. I didn't put her uh, River. She's a chocolate lab, six months old, full of energy, so that's how she can re really run three miles under 10 minutes in the... I mean, 10 minutes a mile under the Miami weather in the summer, which has been amazing. But uh, yeah, I didn't miss Dog Day. You have dogs, Lauren. I have one Yorkie now, uh, but yeah, her name is Holly after the carburetor. And the other one was Zoe Portia. I got outnumbered on the first name. We wanted to call her Coney. They wouldn't let me do that. So her middle name is Portia. Coney after the shock absorber, of course. Huh, but we named nice. our daughter Shelby after the car. So. Of course. It wasn't, it's not Coney after the hot dog? No, no, K-O-N-I, the shock absorbers. <laughs> I'm in a heavy-duty car family here, so. Do you have dogs, Carl? I don't remember. No, it's funny you were talking about this because uh, my wife and I were on a walk this morning talking about dogs, and I was like, we don't have a dog for dog day. And she's like, yeah, and we know who's going to end up taking care of a dog if we get one, so no, no dog. And she's right. Yeah, the kids would love it. Your kids would love it, though. Oh, my Catherine would love it. Yeah, but well, the kids are gone, aren't they? Almost. Uh, sort of semi gone. One, one's in Denver, but he's probably going to come back. You know, he's supposed to come back at the end of the summer, but you know, nobody has to go to class, so he can stay out there and keep working. And the other one, definitely, you know, my daughter still lives with us for now. So, uh, Lauren, another piece of news that I saw your favorite topic an electric car. <laughs> I saw that. Yes, I think it's Carl's favorite too, actually. Oh, yes. He and I like to melt dinosaurs. We're really not into the plug in stuff. Exactly. I heard that Chevrolet is planning a Bolt, uh, I guess, SUV, crossover, whatever. I mean, based on the Bolt EV. Yeah, you know how many uh, of those the they sold? That, do you think? How many of those sell? <laughs> how many they sell, Carl? Both of them? Yeah. No, I mean, they did. I, I'm trying to remember. Did GM hit its 200,000 EV thing yet where it doesn't have the $7,500 credit? They did. They did. And they, they are did. out. They're completely done, just like Tesla. The only ones who haven't, obviously, like Nissan hasn't with the Leaf. Yeah, which is I would hard think to by now they would have, yeah. but none of the other manufacturers have met their numbers. So not yet. Not yet. Toyota's got to be getting close as well. Yeah, Toyota has a, a bunch of hybrids now, so they must be really, really close now. Yeah, but do, does the seventy five hundred for a is it, is it just the plug in hybrids? I didn't think the seventy five hundred counted for just hybrids. I think it's only plug in or pure electrics. I think they were able to make an uh, an exception for the Chevy Volt. A Volt, wait, Volt, the Volt. I don't know why they make these things rhyme. Uh, the Volt, which is their first plug in slash gas, you know, effort, which I was never a fan of. I had one, plugged it in every night, and my electric bill went through the roof and I was surprised almost a hundred dollars increase in, in for a 30 day period. Wow. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. You know, it depends how much electricity costs. Yeah. That's, that's pays for, pays for a lot of gas, hundred bucks pays for a lot of gas. I'm surprised though to hear that because, you know, I've heard most people that I know who got the vault were really happy with it. They loved it. They loved the idea of going 30 to 40 miles. You know, and now the new one goes like 50, I think without needing to put gas in it. But, um, you didn't like it. That's interesting. 
No, I, I was. It was okay. I liked it better than the Bolt. The problem with the Bolt EV, which was North American Car of the Year, and you can probably guess how I voted on that. Um, probably a lot of people. Well, they got enough votes to win. Uh, I think one of the things that bothered me was that the restriction because I'm out in the boondocks. So, and, and, it, and it's frustrating because I, I am concerned that, you know, here I am in the middle of nowhere. And if I run out of juice for whatever reason, I turn on the heater, I leave something on, whatever, anything can happen that you, I can't, there's no fast charging stations around here unless I want to travel 20 minutes and, or I have one at home. And like we've discussed in the past, my big concern with these fast charging stations in someone's home or near someone's home, we don't know about the magnetic uh, field that's around it because it causes all kinds of health issues. Yeah, well, there's that. And then uh, when you start applying that situation that you're dealing with into trucks, you know, all these EV trucks they're talking about, I'm always like, you know, look, if it's a truck that goes around a city with a, pr a predicted route and you know the route and the range and it's not an issue, that's great, especially in a city where you don't want noise and pollution. But I think of a truck as an adventure vehicle. I want to get in a truck and go places and not necessarily places with pavement near cities. So it seems a little, uh, you know, uh, contradictory to have an EV truck for me. But that's just my thing. I mean, everyone's different. Everyone's got different usage, you know. Another electric car that got uh, updated already is the Taycan, the Porsche Taycan. Remember, Lauren, we went to uh, Niagara Falls to see the unveiling of that car. That's right near my house. I thought the car was pretty. And as a matter of fact, my local Porsche dealer here in Buffalo, like you, would, there's only one in the area, not like California where you, or Miami where you guys live, and there's probably 20 of them. Um, they have three of them. I don't know why. They sold one, and there are two sitting there on the front line hoping that, I guess, people will buy it. But again, if you don't charge at the dealer, which is, again, about 15 minutes from my house, I'm not going to go there to fast charge. It makes no sense to me. I love the car. Speaking of making no sense, in the next, sec next segment, we're going to talk about big mistakes or stupid things that people do when they buy new cars because that's a really interesting topic and like i'm sure for you both carl and lauren like all your friends family they see us with all these new cars and they always asking us like oh you are the expert what what car should i buy and like my answer to them is like really don't ask me you already know the answer so i'm sure that has happened to you many times so when we come back we're going to talk about that okay segment two of the Total Car Score podcast with Carl Brower and Lauren Fix. And as we were saying, um, when people go and buy a car, they most likely have made their decisions. And we, that uh, the auto journalists who drive different cars every week, most times two or three cars a week, obviously people come for opinions to us. But like most of the time, whenever it has happened to me, and I'm sure you, you guys will tell me, if that's the case with you, like most times when you try to tell them something else, they said, oh, what? Really? I wanted this other one. What do you think? Okay, like go and buy that. Like that has happened to me so many times, especially when people want an Audi, a BMW, a Mercedes, and you tell them, oh, you might like a Kia or a Hyundai or even a Nissan. And oh, no, 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 I don't want any of that. Has that happened to you ever? It happens all the time, right, Lauren? I mean, I, I feel like one of the most common, I mean, we could come up with uh, a top 10 list, you know, top 10 list that uh, 
friends of automotive experts do to the to, you know to drive them crazy you know and and a couple of them are one of them is you know they find out you're a car expert and they say oh i'm thinking of the such or, or what do you think of the such and such and what that that's code for i already own one of these and i want to hear what you think of it but they don't want to say that so i always now ask well i don't know what do you own and usually it's like well i own one of those you know and so that they're trying to get your opinion without telling you that they already have bought one which is one of them but when they're still looking for their next vehicle, the worst thing that they do consistently is they tell you what they need. They give you a list of requirements and they say, these are all the things that my vehicle, my next vehicle has to be able to do. And then you're like, okay, I need this many people to fit comfortably, you know, and I need this kind of mileage and I can't spend more than this amount of money and these kind of things. And so you, you go through the trouble to hear all the things they need, research what would serve them and start sending them suggestions. And whether it's two days or a month later, they call it and they say, hey, I got my new vehicle. And it's a XYZ that completely goes against all the things that they said they needed. You know, it's like they were claiming they needed five passenger capacity and they couldn't spend more than $30,000. And then they come back and tell you, it's like, oh, well, I got an Audi uh, uh, A5, uh, you know, uh, convertible. And you're like, that that's like a $50,000 car that doesn't seat more than two people comfortably. You know, I know, but I went to the dealer and I just fell in love with it. I just, I just couldn't stop. And you know, this happens all the time to me and I'm betting you guys have similar stories. Oh yeah. My big thing is I will have total strangers stop me at the grocery store. Oh my gosh, I saw your video or I, you know, I saw you were driving this car and they'll ask my opinion and they'll take my advice. They'll come back to me. I'll run into them somewhere or I'll hear through, they'll send me an email. Oh, I bought the car. Thanks. My family is the worst part. That's when they're like, oh, yeah, um, I want your opinion. And then they go and buy something completely different, especially like close to the family. The worst is, except for like my husband and I always just buy what we want. But but like my sister-in-law, oh, I'm looking at an SUV and I'm thinking this and this. And then I go, oh, great. This would be a perfect solution for you. And then she comes back with something like a Kia Sorento. I'm like, well, that's not in your price point. It's much lower or it's much higher. Oh, I have a friend or my, my husband ran into some guy at a bar. So you give him the best price. I'm like, Oh my God, you paid retail, you know? <laughs> so, I, or, or my favorite is when they watch people watch your reviews and they comment on it because they've, they want just some sort of support that they bought the right vehicle. They want to just do, they don't want to have buyer's remorse. Right. Actually, I did, uh, I did give our, gave a recommendation to one of my neighbors and she ended up buying the Toyota RAV4 uh, Prime and she's really happy with it. I already published the video. She's really using it correctly, like plugging in, like, so maybe one of like, I don't know, a hundred, <laughs> she, she listened. Well, she really wanted a, a, a plug-in hybrid car. So she was clear she had done her homework and all that. So at least I have a good story on that, uh, on that front. One other example that I have is that people also have a very fixed idea of, especially old cars, uh, like especially Kias, Hyundai's from like 20 years ago. I remember when we went to drive the Kia Stinger for the first time in California. It's almost like two years ago now. I can't believe that. And the driver from the airport to the hotel was talking to me about that. And I told him and he was like, oh, I will never buy a Kia because like those cars are horrible. They're garbage and all that stuff. So when was the last time you owned a Kia? I asked him. I said, oh, like 15 years ago. <laughs> okay. So when we... Or, or never. Or oh, never. They just, yeah. just made it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, when Kia and Hyundai came to the U.S. more than 20 years ago, they were like disposable appliances. I mean, you, you will buy one and three, five years later, they will like fall apart and you have to replace them. So anyway, when we got back to the hotel or, or to the hotel, 
I forced him to say, okay, you're going to come with me and you're going to sit in the Kia and you're going to drive it around if they let us, or at least see it from inside and then you, you will maybe change uh, your, your idea about Kia. And he did, and he loved it. I don't know if he ever bought one or anything, but people have to look at what's coming up new, that it's new, because the cars have changed significantly in the past 10 years, right? Yeah, a lot of cars have changed. And what's frustrating is... Um... Yeah, when they hold on to these long-standing stigmas that aren't represented anymore. I mean, I think all three of us have dealt with people who say, I'll never buy an American car. Because for a couple decades, you shouldn't have bought most American cars. They were pretty bad. But that's not really been true, I would say, easily since uh, the reconstruction of all the, 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 the companies around 2010, like 10 years ago. Uh, I think General Motors is making the best product they've ever made across, across their entire uh, divisions. And, uh, you know, Ford and FCA, they're basically the same thing. They're all three of them are making the best vehicles they've ever made. But you, you create, yeah, but you create a, a, an impression in a consumer's mind, um, you know, it, it's hard to change it. It's really hard. They have a bad experience or they just see repeated bad reviews. It doesn't matter that all of a sudden they start seeing good reviews or they have friends and family buy them. They ah, I won't buy that garbage. You know, it's just like, wow. Okay, you know it's it's you know step into step into the, the late twenty teens, you know, as opposed to as opposed to the late nineties where you're stuck. I think it's the same like where people have a bad experience with bad tequila, <laughs> like a horrible hangover. That's a great that's a great example. I know you love good tequila. Yeah, you got me hooked. It's your fault. You and another mutual friend. They, you know, I I like good tequila, like sipping tequila, and I I mean I'll do shots with someone. That, which <laughs> I know we've all done shots before. Uh, to celebrate uh, something with Noctoy, but uh, that's the North American Car and Truck of the Year Awards. But um, it was interesting because somebody sent me some beautiful tequilas. And of course, first thing I did is I took pictures of them and sent them to Javier. I go, which one of these is good? And so I had to give him a report that he hadn't tried two of them. But no, I mean, nothing like a good sipping tequila and just leave me alone for the night. You know? But isn't it true? Like if you have a bad experience, you remember it forever. And then you have a good one and then you have another good one. And then like you like, okay, you don't pay too much attention to that. Yeah, that's true. I think with cars too. I mean, I remember back in the day, if you had bought a K car or something, oh, I'll never buy another Chrysler product ever. They're horrible Sunday or it was a Monday, Friday cars. My father worked there back in those days. And, and I'll tell you, those cars were, if you had a Monday car, or Friday car, you could tell it just wasn't done properly. There was no quality control, but today's vehicles, I, I really don't think anybody makes a car that I would go, oh, don't buy that you know, run from that vehicle. Yeah, for a while, the, the, the Mitsubishi Mirage, right? I mean, there's some that are a little more outdated than others, or maybe just they're not as good as others. But everyone's kind of stepped up their game when it comes to technology, um, you know, fuel economy, you know, if you want an electric car or a plug-in car, all that's becoming more and more available. Okay, going back to the topic of like mistakes people do when they buy a new car, have you ever uh, hear about the... 2410 rule well, or buying a car, meaning 20% down, no more than four years financing and no more than 10% of your income towards the monthly payment of the car, which should include not only the monthly payment for the actual car, but the insurance, the gas, the maintenance, etc. Have you ever heard or used that rule as a recommendation? Yeah, something along those lines is a good rule to follow. I like the, the 20% down and uh, yeah, financing you know, I mean, I think I would go as long as five years, but certainly that's the maximum I would ever go on a car loan. 
Um, and yeah, and you always, people are like, oh, I can afford that payment. It's like, okay, what about the registration and insurance? Because you're going to be paying those too every month. And that's something people very commonly Gasoline. Forget. Yeah. And then there's gas and any maintenance you might have to pay. So people think they see a car, monthly car payment and they're like, oh, I can afford that. And they think that's all the car will ever cost them. And it's like, no, there's more. Yeah. And that's the, that's how uh, dealers get people people's attention with, okay, you're going to pay 99 a month for this. Like, yeah, you're going to pay it for like 10 years, <laughs> like 20% uh, finance uh, uh, interest and like this other fee and this other fee and this other fee. And that's what, I mean, Lauren, you used to like teach uh, or coach dealers, right? Like, I mean, I'm not saying that you teach that in particular, <laughs> but. No, as a dealer trainer, we have, we have some rules we try, but you know, here's the thing. I could teach you to be the best salesperson on the planet, but there's still people who go back to those old things that they think people want. Like, hey, you're buying or selling today. Are you, you know, you're leasing, you got to trade in. How much can you afford a month? Those are not sales consultants that you want to work with. My rule of thumb of, of leasing or buying is if you drive less than 10,000 miles or more than 15,000 miles, you should purchase a vehicle because you're either leaving money on the table or you'll get penalized at the end from over mileage, which can be very expensive. Uh, if you're if you're driving to that 10 and 15,000 mile per year sweet spot, there's a lot of good benefits to leasing if that's what you want. But basically, you're getting a lower car payment, a new vehicle every three years. I do not recommend anything longer than a 36-month lease because most vehicles, and there are, the Koreans are the exception, you run outside the warranty. So you're four years into it or somewhere into that last year, if you go a 48-month lease, which they love to push you on because it lowers the price. But the result is, let's say it's you're 40 months in and there's a problem. You take it to your dealer and they go, oh, that's on you. You're outside the warranty. So it, the smart thing to do is not lease more than 36 months if you can't afford the payments. Plus, as Carl said, the insurance, all the expenses that go with it then you're buying too much car. Try to look for something a little less uh, or leasing too much. But leasing is renting. In the end, you walk away. There is usually a small buyout. You are responsible for maintenance. But on the buying side, you have an asset you're building into, but it's your responsibility to maintain it. Yeah, each case is completely different. People really, really have to pay attention to that because at the end, it's going to cost you a lot of money if you make one little mistake and one thing that i think everybody is guilty of uh, including me i don't know you you too maybe not but i think I always tell people you know like the two lies that everybody agreed on on every contract that we sign is i read and understood everything in this contract right no that's a daunting contract i mean how many people you could you know you go through the, the paperwork and, it, and of course it can even be worse depending on the state. There's like, I think three or four extra things in California you have to sign that you don't sign in most of the states. But at the end of the day, you're, you're signing and staring at uh, like 15 different documents and each document might be multiple pages. So uh, if you actually read everything and understood everything in a car purchase deal, it would take you like an hour or two. And if you can do that, that's good. You should do that. But if you think you're going to sit down, sign some paperwork and drive away in your car, and usually, by the way, you're doing that after, depending on the process you've gone through, two to three hours of getting to the signing the, day, the paperwork part. And, you know, some dealers know that and they love the idea that it's like, yeah, by now they're so worn out, they're just going to sign whatever we put in front of them. Well, that's what they want you to do. You know, they, they try to bury you with the big print giveth, the small print taketh away. <laughs> 
Okay, well, a very interesting topic, and I hope it's helpful for people because that's what we're trying to do in this podcast. And another thing that we're trying to do is like give recommendation of the new cars. So in the next segment, we're going to talk about cars that we've been driving this week. I, I was in the Nissan Sentra, which is one of the candidates for car of the year at Nactoy, and I was really impressed. So when we come back, we'll talk about that and like whatever you're driving this week. Total Car Score podcast for the last segment. And as I was saying, we're going to talk about cars that we are driving or driven in the past few days. Uh, and there are actually candidates in some case for the NACTOI Award, Car, car Utility Vehicle and Truck of the Year. So, Lauren, I, I heard you had the Kia 5, the Kia 500, <laughs> the K5. That'd be awesome. It was a 500. <laughs> the K5 experience for yourself last week. So, tell us about it. I already where drove uh, those cars and I was impressed, but I want to hear you, your your impressions and their candidates for the award. Right. Um, they removed the Kia Optima like we've discussed in the past and replaced it with the K5. And I had a chance to talk to the executives as all of us have. And I was, uh, I still think K5 sounds so weird. It's like K9, it's a dog, you know? I don't know. It's just, you take away a name that has value that they've invested in and replace it with some letters, alphanumeric, combination and i never i don't know i just find it weird but as far as the vehicle itself there's a lot of pluses to it i love the red interior and the gt line um on the regular vehicle it's an it's great transportation low price long warranty everything you want apple carplay android auto wireless charging um i could not get access to an ex because i'm not near a major major city so i just got it i borrowed it from my local dealer and they did appreciate that um but as far as the gt I love the red interior. I thought it was slightly underpowered. I was disappointed. They took away a few things the Optima had, and I'm sure it was part of it was cutting corners. But I remember the previous president, Michael Sprague, called me out at a press event and said, Lauren, there's lumbar on the passenger side. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, because <laughs> I'm always complaining about it. But the passenger seat should be as comfortable as the driver's seat. So I got in the vehicle and we're, I'm on the Zoom call like we all had to do, you know, with the executives. And I look, open the door. I'm like, are you kidding? They didn't have it. I, I even said, I said, you, the guy who called me out is no longer there. And now, and now, you know, you guys removed it. And they said, well, we didn't think it was that important. So that's some question that our listeners have to think about. You know, is it, is lumbar on the passenger seat important? Is a passenger should the passenger seat be as comfortable as a driver's seat? As uh, for the lack of power in the car, they're coming out with a more powerful, powerful engine, two hundred and ninety horsepower later. I think later this year or early next year. So maybe that will be much better in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I, the one I got didn't wasn't loaded the GT line. Um, I don't. I'm, I know they only have 16 cars to, to work around, so they're trying to get up to us because everything, everyone's been slowed down because of COVID. So in order to get the vehicles in our hands, so they could be make the final cut, I, I understand what they're working toward. But and, and they were really great about it and very generous. But I, I think the car is, it looks great. There's a lot of pluses. Love the wheels, the machined aluminum alloys. I mean, they did a nice job in a lot of it. There's a few things. I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I got spoiled with the Optima and I kind of really liked it. And then, of course, we all drove the Stinger and really liked that as well. So I, I kind of in my head, if you're going to follow that look, then you should follow 
that type of you know that type of styling and performance i don't know maybe it's just i'm just a little disappointed maybe they overhyped it on me yeah it's gonna be a very interesting uh vote for car of the year because there are so many good candidates this year uh, what about you carl what, what have you been uh, impressed with lately so last week i got to drive the uh polestar 2 which is a uh, pure electric car again back to lauren's favorite type of cars. <laughs> uh but i was able to drive it uh out here in santa monica and up into the mountains of uh santa monica mountains in the malibu area and the car of course is a complete uh knockoff or or targeting of um the tesla model 3. so it even has somewhat similar look uh, not quite but somewhat similar like kind of roof line and range price uh features performance very much uh like kind of the base uh model 3 now there's higher performance versions of the tesla model 3 that have quicker acceleration and longer range um than this one but you know i think otherwise they're pretty comparable at kind of their base level and um uh, you know it's an attractive car i think it's it's got a better interior i'm not a fan of the tesla interiors they're just too basic ironic that the tesla is an american car and the Polestar is a subdivision of Volvo, which is Swedish. And the Swedes are known for having these very basic, you know, this kind of Swedish minimalist design is kind of known. And to me, the Teslas all look like they got their, their Sweden gone a little too far in their minimalist design inside. And the Polestar 2 actually has a little more, you know, character and creativity going on inside. And of course, it has the traditional gauge cluster right in front of the driver, which I always prefer. Uh, I'm not a fan of these center only gauge clusters. And any car company that says, oh, well, it's better. People, it's, it's closer to the windshield. It's just a, are all telling, you know, we're all painting a picture of uh, a false, a false picture because we all know, including them, that it's just a cheap way to have a car that's right-hand and left-hand drive not cost you anymore. You know, it's very, it just saves you a lot of, it saves you cost if you can have centrally located gauges on global platform vehicles because you don't have to worry about where the gauge cluster is when you switch from right to left-hand drive. So that's why they do it. Don't let anyone, including Tesla, tell you otherwise. Um, so I like that the Pulsar 2 has a traditional gauge cluster and then it's integrated with Google Maps and Google everything because it's Android powered. It's the first Android powered um, infotainment system in a production car. And that means that all the Google stuff, if you're a big Google guy, most people I know are Apple people and the Apple phone works and it'll have Apple CarPlay and all that. But if you want, to have all your Google world working there, your Google Assistant, your Google Maps, uh, you know everything that you would do through Google, Spotify, the whole thing, uh, it works really well and it's very easy. And it also has great voice recognition. So it picks up voice recognition very accurately. And you can say things like, hey Google, make the uh, cabin temperature 72. And she'll tell you, all right, cabin temperature 72. You can do that for a lot of things in the car. So. A good, compelling car. I like to see something that comes along that gives you an alternative to Tesla since they've been kind of the main you know, player in this field for so long. Uh, and competition, as I always say, is great for everybody. So I'm looking forward to the Polestar 2, you know, hitting showrooms in like the next couple months. Have they announced pricing for that? So like, will they really compete at the same price level as the Tesla? They have. They haven't announced the pricing for the base model, but they announced pricing for the, the launch edition, which is what all the initial cars that are coming out are going to be. And it's $5,900. It's $5,900, I think, just under $660. And I think that the, the non-launch edition ones that won't have, you know, 
quite as many uh, standard options might be somewhere like three to 5,000 less. So around 54, 55, I'm guessing is what the, the volume Polestars 2 will cost once they're out in full production and they're not all launch edition vehicles. And that's right there where the Model 3 is. So the complete list of the candidates for the North American Car of the Year are the Acura TLX, the Audi A8, the BMW 330, the BMW 430, the Cadillac City 4, the Genesis G80, the Hyundai Elantra family, which includes the new N-Line and the electric uh, and the hybrid, uh, plug-in hybrid, K5, Lexus IS, Mercedes-Benz E-Class, Mini Cooper SE, the Polestar that uh, Carl just talked about, and the Nissan Sentra, which is the one I was driving uh, last week. And I was really impressed with this car from the very first moment I saw it in the LA Auto Show last year, because I think in the compact car, I mean, compact, quote-unquote, because these cars are, like, so big now, I think, <laughs> when you consider they're, like, compact car. Uh, the car is big. I mean, it has increased in, like, I think, like, two inches longer. And it just looks big, but it's really well done. I like the, the exterior design, the LED lights, uh, the rims, everything, the wheels. And the drive itself is really good. I mean, it's a, obviously a four-cylinder car, 149 horsepower. Um, and it has the CVT, and actually it's uh, very interesting because I just uh, saw the um, first comments on my YouTube video about it, and people are saying, oh, it has the CVT, I'm not buying it. <laughs> and again, speaking about like bad impressions that people had of all technology, this is one of the things that has really been improved in Nissan. Nissan I remember the first CVTs that came out, I think it was in the Murano, like, like more than 10 years ago. It was awful. It was really, really bad. But these new CVTs are really well-engineered, um, so the car drives really well, obviously super efficient. I mean, it gives you almost uh, 37 miles on the highway, and the interior is almost, I'm not going to say luxury, but there are like some versions that look like really, really nicely done with leather seats and all the technology, so a really nice car, and the one that I was driving is only $25,000, so um, really affordable too, and um, unfortunately, I mean, I, I'm not... I haven't made my decision because I haven't driven all the cars, but the competition is going to be really, really tough. But I, I really like this Sentra. And, and one thing, that little detail that I like about all the new Nissan products, I don't know if you ha guys have seen it, but now it has a wiper indicator in the cluster. So when you turn on the, the wipers, it can tell you which position you are in. So like slow, medium, high, and off. And in some cars, you will go crazy trying to figure out how do I stop this stupid thing, <laughs> and then you, you can't. Now you have it in the in the cluster of the Nissans, like it tells you, okay, you are in high. Next thing is stop. So I really like that little detail, but like I thought it was important. Well, you know, there's a lot, a lot of these vehicles that we're going to be uh, limiting. We have a new vote coming up, I think, in a couple of weeks. We're going to be voting, slimming down this huge list of SUVs. I mean, there's a lot of great choices and cars. And I think we've got four or five trucks this year. We're going to reduce that down to, I believe, 12 cars, 12 SUVs, and all the trucks will move to the next round. And then we get to drive them all in October. So hopefully I'll see you both there in Detroit. Yeah, the trucks are only four. The Ram 1500 TRX, we talked about last week, the Ford F-150, the Ford Super Duty, and the Jeep Gladiator Mojave. So the, the SUV list is much bigger. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> well, it's going to be fun. Hopefully, uh, we'll be soon 
uh, seeing each other driving them. So we get a second round of driving everything. Hopefully we've driven everything at least once. And if you haven't, you have to focus on getting that done. And I think that'll be um, a, a really great experience to get everyone back together with masks on, unfortunately. It looks like still in October. And uh, get another chance at this. So I haven't driven this century yet. I think I'm getting it in mid-September. So hopefully by then I'll have had a chance to drive it and drive it again. The new Sentra is very impressive, so and I, more so than I thought. And I've never been a huge fan, honestly, of that nameplate. Uh, I feel like in the compact world, the Corolla and the Civic and even the Mazda 3 and stuff, I think we're all really uh, appealing cars, and Sentra to me was always like, eh, whatever. But the new one is very good. Yeah, I think that uh, that segment is one. Obviously, you come from a low base. You have a lot of room to, for improvement. I think that the compact segment is the ones that has really improved, especially when you talk about technology. Okay, we're almost to the end of the show for this week, and uh, I'm just going to go to a couple of cars, uh, vehicles in the utility category, and I want to hear uh, a little bit about your opinion, Carl, on the Ford Mustang Mark E, which apparently is like almost out right now. That's just the first edition, just the first edition. So the, is sold out. Let, yeah, don't 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 get let those press releases uh, trick you. Yeah, and I and I think we're going to be able to drive that one soon. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Ford will have it at the uh, drive event for us in, at NACDOI. So, um, you know, again, these electric vehicles. The the funny thing is, they all kind of are the same because there's just not that many different ways you can tune an electric motor. It's got great off the line torque. It basically makes no noise. And, uh, you know, it uh, has regenerative braking. So, and, and that, that's like, it. they're all going to basically be the same. I mean, the, the area of kind of variation you get is like how good the brake feel is when it has to switch from regenerative powering, power braking to actual mechanical braking like every other car uses and how good's that transition feel through the brake pedal when you're stepping on the brakes and maybe how well they dampen out some of the sound beyond the... Uh, wind and road noise because you can hear those they're much more dominant in a car that has no exhaust note so you end up having to work harder as a car company so that you don't hear like the whistle of the antenna on the roof and all these things you'd never hear in a normal car so that's really the only areas of variation you get well i, I hope that we can i can experience that uh, soon i actually heard a local dealership putting ads on it on the radio and uh, talking about like come and drive it so if i don't go and drive it and, and, uh, in michigan which i think i will i might just go to the, the dealership and, and have a test drive there that's what i do if i can't get it i'll i'll go to the dealer yep well thank you very much for uh, all your You're information welcome. and the insights and again look for us on social media learn Big Carl Brower and Javier Mota, and uh, so we'll talk to you next week and see what happened after after the beginning of September in the COVID year. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at totalcarscore.com.